Hello, you're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. My name is John Jacob and this is episode 101. The thrill of saying the episode number will eventually, I imagine, wear off. In the meantime, know that saying it is an exercise in shoring myself up. A surprisingly much-needed thing at the moment. A way of saying to myself, privately, kind of, look, whatever else is going on around you, you did this, you achieved this, all of this. And now I come to think of it, that's not a bad way to introduce this episode, featuring James Murphy, Chief Executive of the Royal Philharmonic Society, who today, Wednesday the 14th of October 2020, announced the shortlist for this year's RPS Awards. Awards which I think tell a story about how classical music sees itself, both at home here in the UK and in some cases across the world. It's not a matter of this is how we want you all to see us, but more a statement on how it sees itself. It is, as Murphy says at one stage in our 40-minute conversation, You know, classical music is populated by and it is curated by so many people who believe in its connective power The awards, then, are permission to indulge your inner nerd. They are signposts. They are spotlights. They are a kind of trusted guide to the uninitiated. And this year, given all of the challenges the sector faces amid a global pandemic, it's also a story which needs to be told loudly and proudly. You can find the shortlist on the Royal Philharmonic Society website. We'll refer to some of the nominees in the conversation that follows. But the thing that needs to be said, really, is that award shortlists are not really easy things to discuss because no one really wants to show a preference, hint at a winner or miss anyone out. That's a caveat, by the way. And the thing is that what follows fails to meet those criteria. Still, the conversation was fun and just like the previous episode, perhaps even illustrates a newly acquired sense of confidence for me, discussing the kind of thing that fascinates me about the sector at this moment in time. Storytelling, spirit, maybe even vision. Listen out for the anecdote about Mendelssohn. I had no idea about that. The winners are announced in an online awards show on Wednesday the 18th of November at 7pm. Search for the Royal Philharmonic Society on Google. It really is that straightforward. Uh, what can you see out of your window? I see that you have a bay window there, so I wonder what you can see out of your window. Um, I can see all of my neighbours getting deliveries every hour of the day and, and sort of having a little FOMO. I sometimes just wonder, you know, should I just order a few extra things just to make myself look interesting? There's a couple across the road who seem to get a wine delivery every day. Um, Judgy. <laughs> make me feel very, very happy about my moderate lockdown drinking intake by comparison. <laughs> um, okay, well, you've you've reassured me as well, because I too have a moderate uh, drinking strategy, uh, which I adopted <laughs> at the beginning of uh, lockdown. Uh, tell me why, why we're talking. Let's start there. Um, uh, it's a great pleasure to talk to you today about a very lovely thing in classical music, and we certainly need some lovely things to talk about, um, and the Royal Philharmonic Society Awards, which um, we're revealing the shortlist for, um, and lots of wonderful things that have been happening in classical music that people should know about. I will level with you and say that actually um, 
this is going to sound like I'm being really pretentious, but I get quite a lot of press releases and uh, I get press releases about awards and there is there is a there is a season for it. I think we are in the season for it. When I get those press releases in years gone by, I've sort of looked at them and gone, yeah, okay, um, and, and not really known what to do with them. And now, um, I mean, I understand why they're being sent. They're being sent to me so that I can publish them. But but I I look at... I look at awards now this year and I feel a sort of a renewed sense of purpose. I feel as though uh, particularly this year awards are necessary because they draw attention to something that absolutely needs drawing attention to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when this all began in March, the the award date, we, we had a date set, we had a venue, you know, was set in November. So it was way off in the distance. And one might have assumed for a moment this could have all passed by then. Ha. But, I did. Um, I did think. I did, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, as things progressed, you know, we, we just we just felt very, very fundamentally that whatever the RPS was able to do this year, that the, the awards had to happen. And I think really that you're right, that it's very easy to think of an awards thing as you know just a chance to glam up and feel good about yourselves and 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 all of that but um you know we, we had lots of conversations and one of my trustees who's the um the the fabulous baritone roger williams i think it was him he said something along the lines of no it's not just that it's an opportunity an awards show or something is an opportunity for a profession to share with the public all of the good that it has to give mm. and you know, at this moment, this time when so much music is silent uh, or, you know, we're only hearing um, a little of it, it felt so important. I mean, I think the, the awards have always, like you can say, they've always shone a light on great things in classical music. Um, and it feels now this year that light is a beacon. And while so much music can't speak for itself, you know, we've got a real job to do here in reminding the nation just what an extraordinary and interesting and surprising and disarming and connective and exciting role classical music actually plays in this country. And that is the purpose of, of awards like these. Um, and it's, I guess it's been good to be, to be been reminded of that purpose. As you say, you could just go through the motions and, and present these awards um, in the same old vein. But, um, and I've certainly said to all the panels um, this year, that's our calling. That is our opportunity. And, you know, those panels have really risen to that, that, that calling. And I like to think across the shortlist, um, which will be revealed publicly by the time this conversation goes out, you know, I hope people see the best of classical music and, and they may see things they're familiar with, but also a whole lot of things that perhaps they didn't know about and are worth exploring and that make a great case for why classical music matters. Do you think that it's an opportunity or is it an emergency? I mean, I, you know, there, there are different times in the day where I feel as though, like I did yesterday in Parliament Square, like, and I don't normally feel like this, but my goodness me, this story really needs to be told now and as many people need to hear it. So I, I wonder whether whether that sort of sense of urgency is shared or whether that's just me being a bit weird or over-emotional. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I think it's been so hard, hasn't it, for the sector to, to know the tone um, of the of the conversation, how to strike the right chord. Um, that you know, so often, um, especially for so many of our beloved and essential freelancers, it's just you know, how can the tone be anything but desperation that they're not being heard? That you know, the money isn't 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 seemingly reaching many of them, and you know, 
we can we can fa- we can sound on social media really 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 kind of uh, existential and alarmed and anxious and and hopefully that is speaking to people um, in a certain way but it's also very very important in the in the overall narrative to you know to have something like you know the RPS awards to to just remind people of like all the good things you know all the things that you know were happening as as a matter of course all the great projects that were we're making a difference and, and uh, you know, hopefully still finding ways to make a difference or perhaps just suspended for the moment. Or, and all the good things we can do, given the chance. Um, you know, there's obviously been a lot of conversation about the national mood, the national sense of well-being and everything. And, you know, you and I know, because we dedicate our lives to it, and, and probably most of your listeners do as well, that, you know, classical music is not some some little ornament or, you know, nicety or antiquity that sits on a shelf that, you know, just we nerds kind of amuse ourselves with on day to day. You know, it, for so many of us, it is indivisible from who we are. It gives us what we are. It's, it's given me my voice, given me my purpose, my direction, thank goodness, um, you too. Um, so, so many people. And it stands to be able to do that. And wow, you look at some of these, these nominations, especially the projects that are happening in communities around the, around the country. And you see people's reaction to the music by being engaged in the music, by being respected by the musicians, by having a conversation with them, by, by feeling equal to them. It's amazing. You know, it just, it, this, is, this is such a great moment to, yeah, we've got to like, you know, lose our rag in a, in a sense. And we've got to really come out fighting and not mince our words in regard to what's uh, yeah, at stake here. Yeah, but, I'd agree that. I like that. I, I like that uh, uh, that objective, if you like, or that goal for the next 12 months. We're, we don't need to mince our words. We're allowed to be quite, you know, feisty. I, looking over some of the past winners, um, that was the extent of my research. And normally I don't do very much research, so I hope you feel flattered. Uh, but looking over past winners, the other thing that struck me about the, uh, about the awards was that they they highlight not only the range but also those uh, progressive uh, elements, if you like, or those those elements where new things are being done. So for me, last year, one of the highlights was Chinake and also BSO Resound, because for me, even within this world, that threw light on issues which, as a privileged middle-class white man, um, I wouldn't perhaps seek out. Uh, and certainly where Chinake is concerned, that the award reminded me of some quite special experiences is that is that the intention it's you know the 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 rps brings together um to so the way the way the mechanism works is that we welcome nominations um from anything in, in the previous year and if you're a member of the rps and your listeners can become members of the rps i entreat them to do, do so we need to pay? Right? <laughs> um, it's, it's a paying thing <laughs> A little modicum, no more than it costs to join the Royal Horticultural Society or other such things. <laughs> um, okay, right, but, doing, but doing good for classical music. But and, and also people across the, the the classical profession themselves, they can nominate anything. And then we we pass on those nominated entities to panels. Um, um, each award has a panel of five people. There's a couple of exceptions, which we'll come to. Um, but um, they have a panel of five people. And, you know, since I've been at the RPS the last couple of years, I think it's been really important to change those panels entirely every year. I was really fortunate in years past to be on a panel for five years in a row. Heaven knows why um, my beloved predecessor thought, you know, I had something to bring to that for all those years. But, you know, in the end, I, 
yeah, nice to have, you know, friends and familiar faces around a table each year. But the really important thing is that we invite different voices to make those decisions and review those nominations um, to make sure that all voices are being heard and make sure that, um, you know, we're representing as much as we as we ever can. And so last year, yeah, we just saw this extraordinary thing, you know, Chinake, BSO, Resound, and also for the first time, all of the individual artists awards were won by women. Um, there never been a time when women won both of our composition awards, for example. So, so that was a really hard thing. And you know, someone said to me last year, they were like, "Well, you're never going to top this." And um, you know, who as knows? though you but, need to, as though as though every award <laughs> is a is a competition in itself with itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in actual fact, when you look at this shortlist, um, I think it's a really, really, really heartening picture of. Of, of classical music moving forward, classical music asking questions of itself, you know, finding new ways to connect in all sorts of ways, you know, instantly apparent from some of the nominees, less apparent from others, but, you know, we're here to shine a light on them and tell more of their story. And, you know, talking about diversity, it's, we've all got much further to go in this regard. So there'll be no, we won't be licking ourselves in any regard here, but it's heartening to see that across, I think there are 18 shortlistees who are individual performers or composers and a third of them are people of color this year and that's heartening i think another really heartening thing is if you look at like say the the the, the shortlist that's been chosen for large-scale compositions so this is for whopper compositions well actually anything over 15 players and the panel there bless them they had so many works some of which were like an hour long or so and you know my hat off to them their, their panel meeting took um a, a, an epic three and a half hours almost um, longer than she was um, yeah and but they so they've they've actually chosen four um shortlistees but between them you know that's a really 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 great shortlist because you've got the 77 year old frank denyer you've got the 26 year old disabled composer, composer oliver vibrance you've got erilyn wallen and and david Spora as well and those are four very different voices different generations very different approaches and and their being there together says, you know, that all voices matter. Um, I, I, it's, it's thrilling. I, it was, it's, re it's been really, really humbling to sit in the room or rather sit in the Zoom this summer with these panels and, and see people across the profession. I think it's really important to say not contour classical music to, to tell such stories, but, but to know that is the truth about classical music, that you know, classical music is populated by and it is curated by so many people who believe in its connective power and, and they want to show how that is happening on various fronts. And, and, and you see it in the shortlist this year. So, um, and in the instrumental shortlist too, you know, I look at um, Yu Yu Wang and, and Sean and Lawrence Power and, and I do get, oddly, I see the list of names and I do get excited by that because I think that it demonstrates uh, certainly where Sean is concerned. I mean, no, no performance uh, from him uh, is a ever the same or indeed orthodox or conventional. Uh, and, and I, I like that because it, it yeah. challenges the assumptions that people hold and that quite a lot of lazy journalists write about, about the genre. All three are absolute firebrands, you know, and, um, this is, a, you know, we're an organisation that, that was founded by musicians back in 1813, and they wanted to bring, you know, firebrands over from Europe. So they brought um, Mendelssohn came, Wagner came and conducted all the society's concerts for a year, which is a, a really novel wow. thing. 
And of course, they championed Beethoven in a big way. And, you know, like he was the firebrand of his day. And so we're not sort of drifting from any sort of venerable practice or purpose. Um, it's I think it's very true to sort of the founding values to see to see artists of this, this the very progressive nature. But the thing is about those three as well is they're all bloody great musicians. The artistry, the care, the technique, the style. I mean, wow, wow. you know. And then you look at the young artists as well. Same for them. Like the the the, the sort of the tone and lyrical playing of, of a viola player like Timothy Ridow or the, the the twelve ensemble. Needless to say, Shaky Cannon Mason. You know. The, the sort of the, those very important enshrined values of classical music, of, of excellence, of quality, of deep, deep communion with the composer's intentions, that's all there too, um, as well as this kind of progressive um, spirit. And the other, the other thing that strikes me looking at, looking at some elements of the list is that my appreciation of their performance is, is now, has now shifted to uh, I'm not going to explain this very well, but it's it's as though five years ago or ten years ago, I would have seen composers and performers, and there was and there were separate categories, if you like, uh, and I don't mean categories in terms of the awards, but just sort of how people are defined. And now I look at uh, at some people and and see them as both performers, composer, or composers, performers, and curators all at the same time. There's their sort of performance art is rooted as well in curation and so yeah I, mean, I, I think we, we'd be quite excited i'd be quite excited you know when when um, the artists sort of bust the categories in a sense that like we you know we need to invent new categories or we need to rename categories or we need to reclassify because because again the art form's not standing still i mean i was talking to um lawrence power who's uh, uh, on the shortlist and you know about all of the the filmmaking that he's doing in lockdown at present so he's 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 been collaborating with a brilliant filmmaker called jesse roger and they're commissioning composers and it's not just about the piece it's not just about the playing the piece it's about the sense of place and where he plays that and as you've probably seen online there are these these fabulous films and i know from the conversation with lawrence he's that's not just a thing that's occupying him now he thinks that's that's an essential part of his dna as a performer in the 20, 21st century and he doesn't know where he's going there's no blueprint for it but that's exciting that's great and i'm sure actually you know that all the performers in history in their own regard were addressing frontiers in their own way and doing that we don't know because we sort of kind of we compress history yes, and we yes. um i don't I agree. know but... i certainly hadn't hadn't really uh, i mean the the point that you're making is illustrated by reaction to you uh referring to Mendelssohn as a firebrand you know in my in my head in my understanding <laughs> Mendelssohn and his music is like oh that's very safe uh and so and so the unpleasant and 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 utterly gorgeous obviously uh I but... think the best the best story in classical music I've always felt is is this, this little story about Mendelssohn that you know when I was growing up like you Mendelssohn was he was either an oil painting probably rendered in black and white in an encyclopedia <laughs> and and he was Fingal's Cave over yes. and over and over and over and over again. Um, and and then someone told me the story, I guess, when I was a student, or maybe a bit later, that um, when he was a student, you know, he 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 was rooting around in the library, something that's that's so few of us when we're music students, we actually do um, thoroughly. Um, and he found this dusty old um, choral piece that no one had performed for a hundred years. And he really wanted to do it. And his university professors kept saying, no, you've got to focus on your studies. Don't waste your time with that. 
you've really got to get your head down if you want to succeed. And he willfully went and did it anyway. And he got some friends, some actors and some dancers and the whole uh, sort of assorted rabble of, you know, artists to put this thing on. And of course, the thing was the Matthew Passion. And and he was absolutely detrimental <laughs> to the to the um, Bark revival. Yeah, and, you don't know, I waste your the, time um, with that. Why would you waste your time yeah. with that? So that's my Mendelssohn. <laughs> you know that dude and the same guy who wrote that like, octet when he was a teenager. And I guess you know this has been one of my real fascinations in coming to work at the RPS is the the our responsibility in storytelling about classical music. And you know one of our awards we actually changed its mm. name to storytelling. But you know we can choose how we document what it is we do. And so, you know, Mendelssohn could just be that like sort of dreary oil painting who, who wrote all those tasteful quartets. Um, <laughs> or he can be that guy who broke the rules and changed the game and, you know, raised across frontiers and set in motion something that like, would we listen to Bach in the same way if Mendelssohn hadn't done what he'd done? Mm. Don't know, but um, wow. uh, the, the other thing on the list, I mean, I know that we started this conversation with me saying you must take the lead on talking about the categories, but what I realize now is that I'm picking things out that I'm interested in, which is an interesting way of talking about your thing. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah. the other thing that draws my eye is um, opera and music theater, and um, and in particular, Opera Holland Park, who I just utterly adore. I think that there are. Uh, I realize that I realize there are three other people uh, there are two other people in the in the category but um I've always felt an enormous amount of warmth about Opera Hollow Park yeah even though it's outside and it's very yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. weather yeah. <laughs> liable to rain <laughs> you, yes. you're always guaranteed a warm evening at Opera Hollow Park absolutely I mean as you say these are three really very special um uh nominees uh Opera Hollow Park is it's, it's lovely in every god. I think that the panel this year, so as it happened, um, we closer to the awards being announced, the winners being announced in November, we will quietly drop on our website who was on each panel. I'm not doing it now because I don't want them harassed or, you know, by people itching to know outcomes or anything. But Are you expecting people to turn up at other people's doors and start banging yes, on doors exactly. and going, what the hell's going on? In, yeah. in fairness, them, but we will out them eventually. And, um, and that panel, from the off, they they just got into instantly before they just sort of like you know traipsed through each of the nominees they instantly got into a conversation about what opera needs to be in in the moment and where it's going what it's all about they talked a lot about the patriarchy in opera i sort of almost wished i just cheekily pressed record on the zoom and we could have put it out there because it was a really great vibrant disquisition about opera and where it's heading and they talked about um you know who who's trying to change the game in opera and and of course, that's what's manifest on stage, but it's also what's behind the scenes. And it's very evident that Apollon Park and James Clutton, um, you know, are really caring at a very, very significant level about the welfare of their artists. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're young artists, they've got a brilliant young artist program. Um, it was the company that notably really gave Swapra um, a lot of energy at the start, which is the, the brilliant initiative um, set by uh, some women in opera to try and make more flexible working hours and recognition that, you know, there are families and, and, and challenges. That need to be addressed and 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 James Clutton at Holland Park was there for that and of course their role in the community um especially in the like Grenfell a few years ago mm, but that's yes. sort of carried on that they it, they're really striving to say that opera belongs to the everyday population mm. um 
sort of really in a way it's interesting that Parliament Park as a, as a building doesn't have walls and that sort of manifest I feel a little bit in their in their spirit and their ethos so it's it's lovely um the the, the panels can interpret um the the parameters of our awards so it's not just giving an award for a very very lovely cozy fantuti <laughs> but actually for but for something kind of like you know in its roots and in its dna and the things you don't necessarily see really gorgeous things happening as well uh, there are two other things on the list that i need to flag which is what well, i need to flag like i'm saying it like it's a problem that i need to tackle you about um, <laughs> uh, uh, and that's the new inspiration awards which i think i'm right in saying is sort of acknowledging all of the lockdown inspired stuff there's no shortlist for them but can you just tell me about yeah. what that award is yeah. about so we're, re we're we're particularly excited about this so when we were um, making our plans in the early summer for the awards, of course, there was a question of whether we'd have a sort of sufficient uh, range of nominations because, of course, we were looking at a slightly truncated year with things, you know, coming to quite a standstill in March. Now, in actual fact, that wasn't the case, and we had several hundred nominations across the usual categories. But it seemed really, really important from the outset that we create some kind of new award to acknowledge the the music making that had managed to occur in lockdown. Because I don't know about you, but no one really knew what was going to happen from mid-March. And we all traipsed home and we, you know, set up our laptops and had to go on this thing called Zoom. And and within seconds, almost, musicians were, they, they sort of couldn't help themselves. They just had to give of themselves. And, you know, in any way they could. And of course, we all sort of remember those in the early lockdown things that were a little bit creaky and a little bit awkward and people didn't have good microphones. And But they just had to get it out there anyway. There's something really potent there about how musicians have to give of themselves. Come what may, they have this automatic, sincere generosity that they need to share. And... And so, lo and behold, then there was just this extraordinary outpouring across the country of all sorts of musical things, um, not just performers um, playing in their bedrooms, but of course, people setting up choirs and things that people could be part of, amateurs could be part of, um, connecting people across the nation. And, you know, some of it, as I say, you know, wasn't always the most refined thing. And we are used to, um, you know, things being quite refined often in classical music, but wow the spirit and the urgency and the necessity of it all was really yeah. thrilling so we'd like we've got to, we've got to honor this we've got to have something to honor this and so we thought of a uh, we'll have this new category inspiration and it'll be for anybody who's done something musical in lockdown but because this is a kind of a national moment and because all this stuff's like being really sort of like put into into homes rather than into concert halls and there's a sort of real democratic quality about it we thought actually this one we won't invite the profession and our members to um, nominate. They, they, they can nominate as they wish, that's fine. But let's invite the public to nominate um, for this. And we didn't really have any expectation about that, but we, um, we opened the nominations at the, um, at the start of June. And within a day, we had 200 nominations from the public for the wow. Inspiration Award. Okay, that's... Yeah, that, and then that category alone, the other categories we had to close at the end of June because we need to start processing the nominations, assembling panels and everything. But this one, because it was a bit different and it was a bit singular, we thought rather than have a panel that like some of our bigger honours, like our gold medal and our honorary membership, we would leave the decision to our board and council, which is a sort of eminent collective of people in classical music. Um, and therefore we'd give... Uh, 
a much, much wider nomination window. So people could nominate for things in lockdown all through the summer because things were occurring. You know, it would have been a shame to close nominations at the end of June. Um, anyway, um, lovely idea in principle, but by the end of the summer, um, by that stage, my one colleague and I were encumbered with 2,761 nominations oh from the God. public for the Inspiration Award. And as much as that's true, 2,761 oh, different ones, or just um, two? no, no, opposite. Happily, I can say it was a relief that some were quite a few were for the same thing. And right. you know, some people, some people had corralled, obviously, you know, <laughs> gangs to kind of like some of the <laughs> some of the big online choirs. They'd, they'd, they'd mobilised the, 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 the altos and the tenors. I like um, the way that you described them as gangs. <laughs> gangs of people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we actually actually put a note on our website saying that multiple nominations weren't necessary, that it's not, it wasn't a popularity contest, like <laughs> just one nomination would do. So <laughs> some of them went to all that effort for perhaps no reason. But nonetheless, it was so gorgeous to spend, you know, some time just reading the public sentiments on what this music had done for them. And, and, you know, some of it was just, you know, it was just superlatives. Other people really told their story about how it had moved, you know, a sort of disenfranchised member of the family or, a, or an unwell member of the family or, or, or something. And we will share some of those testimonies on our website um when we when we sort of reveal all of this although um, although not uk but i do know what you mean and although this example is not uk based um i remember right at the beginning uh and this was because i think the netherlands went into lockdown before we did i remember watching a um a lockdown performance of beethoven nine or you know the ode to joy um from the rotterdam philharmonic and yeah and because it was right at the beginning of the experience for for us in this country where everybody was sort of suddenly i think there was a collective sense of grief because even though it wasn't necessarily labeled that way essentially lots of freedoms had been lost overnight uh, and so to watch to watch musicians essentially in a series of boxes playing something that was so emotive uh yeah. was a was a cracking piece of storytelling and so i think that what i take away from this year and certainly the, the the stuff around this particular award is that it has been an opportunity for musicians to tell a a story that reflects the emo and connects with the emotions of of viewers at this moment in time yeah yeah absolutely like you it was like it was like a wave that we saw coming but you know you know as, as well, well well the coronavirus kind of kind of came our way from the east you know so did the music so suddenly people are singing on balconies in italy and spain and then as you're saying these instances of 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 european players getting together and doing things ahead of us and and i suppose it's that message isn't it that like when things get tough what do we do we come out singing and you know whenever things are difficult there is music to get us through and I, I just feel this award you know all of the awards as i've said but this award in particular has so much to say about why we need music and why we cherish music and the 2761 people were so moved as to say how music had helped them in this moment. This is something I feel that we we don't say enough. Like, you know, we, we as a collective profession, you know, almost we're a bit too bashful or a bit too earnest or too polite, but this is what our thing does. This is what music does. It, 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 it's, a, it's, it's not just an art form, it's a force for good. And um, it's a love, it's a love, it's a thrilling thing in this, in this, in our little organization, in this little job to be able to tell that. And 
you know, of course, there's going to be absolute carnage in, in November when certain people find out they're not winners. You know, every edit, every, every, every single thing deserves credit and, and all power to those people who are, the, for, who are continuing those things. You know, some things have run their course because that's what they were intended to do. Other things have, you know, a new thing has happened. People have learned a thing and, and they're really looking forward to when, so some of these choirs, when, when they can actually meet in the room. You know, I've heard some of these choir leaders say that, They've had members from from overseas who want to now come and sing in person mm. with their with their British compatriots, which is a lovely thing, especially at this point as we you know mark our territory as you know in different ways um, from the rest of the world. But the the sort of the, the 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 consequence of this, the dividend of this, the the impact of this, um, has hopefully going to be really really thrilling. But the the important message is to say you know it's not we don't just do music as a, as a, as a, as a hobby or as a, a sideline or something. Mm. It's part of who we are. It's part of what this nation is. And, and however we do it, you know, our storytelling about that has got to be really strong. Um, when are the awards announced? When will we know who the winners are? When will the carnage begin? <laughs> well, obviously we can't have a sort of an awards bash and awards ceremony in the traditional way um so um like you know others we're going wholly online um on wednesday the 18th of november at seven o'clock on the royal philharmonic society website um we're we're slowly assembling that thing now that entity it's taking shape um in interesting ways it's going to have some fresh music in it from from uh, a couple of the nominees and um I'm being very careful what I say here and what I don't say here because I don't want to spoil any surprises. But um, yeah, it's the 18th of November. And <laughs> right, right. Okay, there, there was a pause there. I thought you were about to say something. No, fine. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, I've, I've got, got quite good at this now, thankfully. But you know, we were we were almost thinking by that point that you know people might be out, we might be out of our shells. But of course, we we're back in our cocoons slightly now. But you know. If that's where we still are in the middle of November, then, you know, we urge people to you know, get dressed up. If you've been to the RPS Awards before, it's a, it's a very dressy thing. You know, I think the dress code, um, which my, my lovely predecessor said, is something like fabulous or festive or right. something like that. And, you know, let's get dressed up like that at home and, and have a drink or so and, and enjoy the moment, um, really. And, you know, I've always felt that the RPS Awards, when I used to go, before I had anything really sort of formal to do with it, you know, it's a doorway of the discovery. So the point is, is that you you discover the I think when the when the guitarist Sean Schubert you've mentioned, you know, when he won the Young Artist Award a few years ago, you know, for my sins I hadn't come across him before. And you know, him getting that RPS award, they made me say, This guy's worth yeah. hearing. Mm. Go and hunt this guy down. And and and, that, and so it goes with and there is you know, a, there is actually a famous picture, isn't it? Well, I say a famous picture, it's certainly for me, I'd say an iconic picture of him holding his award with Mitsuko Ichida. Am I yeah. am I imagining that? That 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 did actually happen. Yeah. And I yeah, and I think fun. that's probably when I first became aware of him because it's such yeah. a, an arresting image. Well that's the thing. So the RPS awards in the sort of in the in the guys they take these I mean obviously they're taking a new guys this year, but in the sort of the, the form they take now with the, the the sort of the evening with Stardust and you know and trophies and such um and that that in its form has been going for 30 years, but actually the RPS's culture of giving awards goes back to 1827 when it first gave honorary membership as a sort of a, a gesture of recognition to outstanding um, uh, musical forces to, to the composer Weber and, and has gone to many, many, many luminaries since and has just been given, we just have the opportunity to give 
honorary membership to um, Sarah Connolly uh, on her return to the stage at the Wigmore last month, which was really, really poignant and a very, very lovely moment indeed. But also the gold medal, which um, which the society created in recognition of its very happy association with Beethoven, obviously from commissioning his Ninth Symphony. Um, that was established in 1870, his centenary. And so the gold medal has a, a sort of a, a replica of, of Beethoven's bust on it, which is a we have a a, a very lofty and precious bust of Beethoven in our office who looks down on my on me when I make every decision um what and the gold medal terrifying you know, setup <laughs> what a really terrifying <laughs> setup uh, the, the, there's a, there's uh, the, the gold medal has been given to like many many um luminaries in music over the years and sometimes that coincides with the awards and indeed this year we are revealing the gold medal winner on the 18th of November as part of the awards broadcast and Oh, it's I, I can't wait to tell the world who's receiving it this year, but just to say it is somebody of real, real, real musical resonance and significance internationally. Um, and we're so pleased that they're going to feature in a very special way in the broadcast. But You're very good person, at teasing. Oh. You are very good at teasing forward, aren't you? But <laughs> that person themselves, for all of their stature and all of their brilliance, that totally makes them the gold medal winner they were sort of humbled and awed and stupefied and delighted to know about the previous winners. So coming back to what you're saying about Sean and Mitsuko, it's that, you know, it's that that what we're doing in classical music is also part of a great heritage that connects us back to Mendelssohn, who was a beneficiary of the society, and, and to Beethoven, that, um, that we are part of a long endeavour that, you know, although we are now facing almost the biggest test of classical music's existence um, um, through the pandemic, that it has proven itself to be a time and again to be such a resilient and positive force and an enduring force. And whenever we listen to music and in the moments, the chances we've had to listen to live music again in the last few weeks, you know, it's music that sort of says to us, this too shall pass mm -hmm. and the good things will endure. And that's a, a very lovely thing for us to hold on to, despite all the uncertainty and the stress of the moment. Is there, uh, is there anything? Well, no, there is one other thing that I want to ask you, which is, do you have a sense, do you do what I do, which sort of bargain with myself about when live performance might return? I mean, it has, has in some respects, it's sort of returned, but it doesn't quite feel the same. Um, do you bargain with yourself about when it will? And does that does that deadline or does that point in time keep shifting? I mean, I, I had a really, really happy September in that, you know, I, uh, my colleague and I had started venturing back into the office tentatively. Um, it's great to go back into town and, and uh, you know, we've discovered lots of interesting things about home working in lockdown that we'll, I'm sure we'll all carry forward. But, you know, it was great to be back mm. in town, in the office and, 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 and seeing people again. It's great to see colleagues in the profession. Um, and I was really lucky to go to, I saw Aurora perform Beethoven 7 live at oh, King's yeah. Cross. <laughs> and that was amazing. That was, that, you know, that was an amazing yeah. experience, actually. Just oh, amazing. Yeah. Just, like, just hearing them tune up made yeah, me a bit yeah. wibbly. You know, <laughs> clever choice of picking that piece with its emphatic, gorgeous, sunshiny um, major chord, which yep. begins it. And, and then you know, the whole thing was just a party. I mean, Aurora concerts generally are, you know, immensely feel good and fabulous in their own in a respect but trebly so and then you know as i say just to, to, to witness sarah connolly return to the stage at the wigmore and sing songs familiar to me but also some songs by roussel which i've never heard 
which was just so disheartening fabulous. And, you know, all credit to to Malcolm Martineau, her pianist, who, you know, I almost say like they, they sort of played like their lives depend on it, but that's, that's, that's what performers have been doing. So I, I went, I saw Fidelio at Garsington as well. And, and the City of London Symphonia, um, lovely Goldberg um, variations trio, and so the cathedral. And oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that on YouTube, which looked rather, rather lovely, rather warm. Oh, so, so gorgeous, and you know, so sort of treasured every single thing that we can do. I think I, you know, commend anybody who can get even a small audience in, even if it's just five people, just to show the way. I mean, I think another thing that's really important to say is the amazing care that we've seen all these things i've never felt safe in the last few months than yes. when i was in a concert hall yes. or in a, a, a you know being looked after by the by the you know the people who run orchestras or or whatever um and i think that was really evident um you said that you attended the the rally uh, uh parliament where they played um yes the planet <laughs> you know, I, I really saw it on youtube but my goodness the thing that struck me straight away was how organized it was you know <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> and yeah um, you know when i when i walked away from it i wasn't really surprised because i kind of and i and i wrote somewhere that that actually that's kind of what musicians do isn't it they get their call sheet they get their rehearsal schedule and that you need to be here at this time you need to stand there you're playing that and then you're going home and 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 in the instructions it's like and you need to wear your mask because we need to be seen to be doing the right thing and and everybody you know everybody complied because that's what they do the letter. <laughs> and that's it in a way it's saying like you're saying trust us you know that you know yeah. this profession has always taken that care both with those people on stage and those people in its audience and and it's been so great in all of these little things. I know that there's a lot of people who aren't able for economic reasons or whatever to, to put things on right now. And, and that's totally understandable. Um, but those people who have been able to do it, you know, they're sort of like flying the banner for us saying, look, hmm. we are responsible. We are caring. This is safe. And it's also so important and so valuable as well. So the more little things, however small like that can happen, I think it builds confidence. It builds trust from audiences from other promoters and other organizers and also from government. And I think that's great. So, you know, I guess there's a really big question of like, what do the RPS awards look like next year? Um, will they land at the same time? Will we be able to have all the categories? You know, I was joking with somebody yesterday that maybe they'll just be an award for best performance in the bedroom, best performance in the bathroom, best performance <laughs> in the living room, but um, who knows? But, but in the end, come back to something again that Roddy Williams said in one of our discussions, he was like, the RPS Awards next year will be whatever the profession needs them to be. Whatever message we have to tell the public about the great, hardworking, enduring things that classical musicians have done in this next year, that is what the RPS Awards will do. Um, and I look forward to seeing what, what form that might take. You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, available on Spotify and Audioboom. To get in touch, please tweet at Thoroughly Good. You can also follow Thoroughly Good on Facebook and read the blog at thoroughlygood.me.